and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And our movie today is our Christmas movie, Merry Christmas from Staff Picks. I've decided to pick a nice, family, warm movie for you. It is called A Christmas Horror Story. It is a nasty little anthology of Christmas-themed horror movies. And it's one that I feel especially strong about, but it's a movie that is virtually unknown. There are not many people that know about this movie. And I will say, first off, it's relatively new. It came out in 2015. So it's still, it's, it kind of breaks my rule on staff picks where I try to make a movie be at least 10 years old. This one kind of breaks the mold just because I love that there's a Christmas horror movie out there. And I like this one in particular. So I'm very excited to talk about it. My guest for this one, uh, he runs a couple podcasts on his own, big fan of movies, and just uh, as a coincidence, I had mentioned a while back, I love A Christmas Horror Story, and he's like, hey, I love that too, and I'm like, I'm so excited somebody knows about this movie other than me, so I was very excited about this, and so I'm welcoming him to the show, welcome to Staff Picks, Brian Marr. Hey, Mario, thank you so much for having me on. Now, yeah, welcome to Staff Picks, first of all. Tell us about what you do. I know you have even more podcasts than I do, correct? Yeah, so I run a few podcasts. I think maybe the one that listeners to this show would be most interested in is uh, Wicked Good Show, where uh, my co-host Dylan and I talk about new releases um, of movies and you know, television shows. So we reviewed Stranger Things recently, for example. But, you know, it'll be interesting to go back and talk about movies that haven't, you know, come out right away. This is kind of nice. There's no looming pressure of, oh, this needs to get out right away or else it's not going to be trending. So I do that. And then uh, I have YouTube channel, youtube.com slash everything, where we do pop culture content, video games, sketches, all that kind of fun stuff. So... Yeah, like I said, thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> I'm glad you brought out that thing about trending and pressure, because mm. I I don't know if people know this. I have bad anxiety. I've been on anxiety medication and like uh, counseling for years. Mm. I don't know how anybody could do a podcast that where you must crank out recent content on a schedule. That would drive me insane. Yeah, man. It, honestly, it's just like I feel like I can kind of just hone the anxiety but inside i'm just screaming at all hours of the day because there's always something there's always a piece of news that we're gonna try to cover and you know our fake nerds updates on the youtube channel or there's a movie or a new video game or something to review and is always like i need to get this done i need to you know make this happen and then once it's done it's like well i can't even like necessarily savor making this piece of content because there's something else right around the corner well that is not a problem that i face on staff picks and i that was very intentional that all mm -hmm. again all movies must be at least 10 years old and there's that's functional reason one so i don't have to adhere to a schedule and the other one is that this is kind of sneaky but i have a lot of friends that work in movies and like editing and writing and mm -hmm. stuff and i don't want to get put in an awkward position where they want me to like advertise their new movie oh that's smart honestly because you know, a lot of a lot of times, you know, in the semi entertainment industry, you know, I do like comedy stuff. Maybe people come on with not the best intentions. They they want to come on, you want to have them on, but they're just interested in you know promoting themselves. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's what I wanted to avoid. So mm. that yeah, good. So I'm glad I, we have we're very different approaches to our podcast, but you have the experience. I'm very excited because when I have someone on who actually does podcasts, it's a different dynamic and flow. Because mm. I don't know if people are aware of this. A lot of times when I have people on staff picks, it's not only the first time I'm meeting them, but it's their first podcast they've ever done. So it gets real tricky. So this time I'll be re- reacting to you basically. <laughs> oh, I hope that uh, the experience comes in handy because I, I know how difficult it can be to try to, like, push the show along, try to, like, carry it when you're working with someone who maybe hasn't done this kind of thing before. I've, I've fortunately a lot of episodes under my belt, but I, hopefully I'm not setting the bar too high. And now everyone's going to be like, man, he talked a big game, but he sucks. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's I'm going to use that stinger clip at the end. You saying he talks a big game, but he sucks. <laughs> hey, that, that's fine with me. <laughs> Okay, so a Christmas horror story. I'm very intrigued to know how you ran across this movie because, again, like I said, nobody knows about this movie. It's virtually unknown. Yes, I for real though. So my family has a tradition. I uh, started a few years ago when my brother was like, "Hey, let's watch the Black Mirror episode, uh, White Christmas," which is you know a semi horror-ish themed episode of black mirror and from then on every christmas we watch a horror movie which i think is a pretty normal thing for families to do right on christmas yeah completely normal and uh so i think the second year my mom was like oh i found the perfect movie for this it's a christmas horror story (laughs) and we watch it and it's it's campy it's silly but it's fun especially like the um, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's the Santa storyline in this that I think is really fun. Um, and, you know, it's just a silly movie that we watched. And I was like, man, I, I don't know anyone who's seen this before. I don't know anyone who's ever mentioned it. And I'll probably never talk about it again. And then I saw on Twitter, you were like, hey, has anybody seen this movie? And I was like, wow, yeah, I actually have. So, yeah, that that's how that happened. So this was a mom pick. Your mom mm-hmm. picked this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, my mom's been instrumental in getting me into, you know, just good television series and movies in general and specifically horror movies. She's a huge horror movie fan. So all like through my childhood, she she was the one really showing me and introducing me to a lot of different classic horror movies. Oh, OK. Now, is your mom available to do staff picks at some point? I, hey, I'll ask her once this episode's come out, show her in, because uh, like I said, she, she knows every classic horror movie there is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's so cool. It says, my experience with my mom is that I'd be like, say, hey, mom, want to watch like the South Park movie? You'd, you'd love this. And she's like, how about we watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? And I'm like, that's, <laughs> let's find a middle ground in there somewhere, mom. So that's cool. I'm glad your mom is hip to the, uh, the movies of the kids. Oh, absolutely. Well, especially for horror movies. Absolutely. She's always she's always on on the ball. All right. Shout out to Mrs. Marr. Yeah. Shout out, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. So um, as people obviously know, if they listen to the show, I'm always out there looking for, you know, underrated movies, anything that just I think needs a little more publicity and attention. And so I'm always looking at these message boards like underrated horror movies. That's my favorite. Mm -hmm. If anybody has ever written a list underrated horror movies, I've read your list because I I searched this. That's like my I have a uh, Twitter keyword search for that at all times, an alert. (laughs) And and like uh, two years ago, that's where I first heard about this one. Someone had said, hey, there's this made for cable movie or made for Netflix or whatever called 
a Christmas horror story. And they said, it's a lot like Trick or Treat, which people who know Staff Picks. Now, do you know Trick or Treat? Because I've already covered that one on Staff Picks. So familiar with it, um, probably more just through word of mouth. I've never seen it myself. Okay, yeah, it's very similar to this one. If you like one, mm-hmm. you like the other. It's where they take a movie based around a holiday. They make four little mini stories, and they kind of have them intersect each other. Okay. And Yeah, so for fans of the show, I was really high on Trick or Treat, and I'm really high on a Christmas horror story, which is, it feels like they're made by the same person. I know they're not, but it's the same tone, kind of playful Mm-hmm. but it's still creepy and there's some good images and eerie stuff going on there. But the, the tone isn't like, it's not super hardcore. Like this is not a, a torture porn movie or anything like that. This no, is a right, very right. lighthearted horror movie. Mm-hmm. I think made even more so by the reoccurring character of DJ danger Stan played <laughs> yes. by William Shatner. Who's my favorite part of this movie. I, I mean, Shatner is always awesome, but this is a fun character and I, it seems like he had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, it's for people who have not seen this movie, and again, I'm guessing that's almost all of you, <laughs> William Shatner is featured prominently in this movie, and when you have William Shatner providing all your exposition, you know you're in good hands. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk a little. Doug, do you know the history of this movie, how it was made, who made it? Do you know anything about it? I'm curious. I No, I, other than the movie itself, I, I've often wondered, but I've never looked into it. So do you have the, the background of how this came to be? All I know is that it's a – have you seen the movie Ginger Snaps about the werewolves? Yes. Okay. This very movie, good. Yeah, it's very good. I, we did that on Staff Picks earlier. This movie was made by the same people who made Ginger Snaps. Oh, okay. And the only reason I mention that is because the town in this movie is called Bailey Downs, which is the town in Ginger Snaps. Oh, I like that. All right. All yeah, right. That's a little tie-in. So it's like a – Low budget, kind of maybe Canadian feature. I'm not sure if this is mm. Canadian as well, but it's like, it's very, it's kind of low budget. Although, I'm shocked that the effects in this movie are as good as they are for how low budget it is. Mm. It's, yeah, like, I'd say they're almost on par with like The Walking Dead at some points. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't look cheap, and the monster in this movie is, I think, looks really cool. Obviously, it helps if you get like a really jacked dude and you put on like the mega but i think it's cool and yeah on the wikipedia page it does say country canada so i i guess that means it was a canadian movie <laughs> i'm shocked how many canadian horror movies i've done on staff picks like they they crank out they crank out some interesting stuff and like it seems mm. like every one of them hits right in my wheelhouse so <laughs> shout out first to your mom and now shout out to canada for giving us good horror movies yes thank you canada we appreciate it <laughs> yes so so uh now Right off the bat, how this movie is very hard to find, and that's always tricky on this show because people listen to these episodes. They're like, how can I find this? Mm-hmm. Now, I only found out about it because I still have the Netflix DVD service, and you can get this on a DVD. I don't know if they have this on Netflix. Where Where did you find it? So, well, my mom found it at, like, Walmart um, originally, and then when I went to rewatch it, I had to go to iTunes and rent it. Ah, okay. So rent it three ninety nine if you're interested. I'd say it's worth three ninety nine to check out. What about you? I I would. It's up, worth to up at least four ninety nine. Yeah. All right. So it's not worth the seven ninety nine they're charging for it though. <laughs> if people want to own it, that's only for like the real big fans of it. All right. This is how I'm gonna get you real jealous here, Brian. Okay. Is that uh, about it? About five? No. About three months ago, there was a video store. It's like the last remaining DVD video store in California. Yep. They were going out of business. 
and they had a deal in there. Every single movie in the store was a buck. Oh, wow. And so I, I love st st uh, sales like that because the stuff that I want is not what everybody else wants. I'm always looking for obscure stuff. Mm. And I went in there, and I swear there was like 20 different obscure horror movies I'd always wanted. And one of them was this one. So I bought a Christmas horror story I now own for a dollar on DVD. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I mean, it cost me almost four times that to rent it. So this is definitely worth a dollar. <laughs> okay, so are you ready to delve into this story? Oh, I'm so ready. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, this. Now, you will agree with me. I think we talked about this on Twitter. This is one crazy ass movie. Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, it's it's really unique, and I feel like pretty original. And one of the things I was thinking about it today, you know, in preparation for the show, is like this is like four horror movies combined. Like there's all these plots happening at the same time, and each one of them could be their own mm -hmm. full length, you know, story. So it's very, very interesting in that aspect. Yeah, it's, it's you don't think that there's any scary like myths or movies associated with Christmas until mm. you watch this movie and you realize, you know, some of the stuff with like Jesus and then there's Krampus and there's the, the mm. virgin birth. I'm like, you know, there is some creepy stuff going on in Christmas when you think about it. So it's, I'm, I'm amazed they were able to pull it off. But like it, none of the stories are actually a stretch. They all are like real scary Christmas stories. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And the way they weave them together was actually pretty creative, I thought. Yeah. Okay. And that's the other thing we got to get across to people is that this movie is four stories in one. Really five, mm -hmm. I'll argue, but it's four. The fourth one has a little spinoff at the end, but it's four stories. Mm -hmm. And they are told uh, interchangeably would be the right word. Like they intersect part of one and then part of another and part of another. So when we're discussing the plot, we're not going to be discussing it the way it's laid out in the movie, because I think that we'd agree that would be too complicated, right? Uh, it, w it would be really hard to follow if you haven't seen it, and even if you had seen it, it would kind of be hard, because I'm sure we're going to go off on tangents and different stuff. So, yeah, let's let's keep it kind of separated for each story. Okay, so there will be four stories that we're going to be talking about and i will refer to them by number we'll go we'll get into it in a second but first of all there's a big wraparound as these anthology movies tend to have and this one is the story it's bailey downs this little city in canada and uh oh dang that's not even the start of the movie we start with santa don't we uh yes yeah we start off with um is the very first scene yeah, it's Santa. Station. Okay, let me. I'll explain this. I don't. I'm, I'm, we're, we're desperately trying not to get confused here, but it starts right. off with Santa up in the North Pole, and he's in his uh, the stable with all his reindeer. Mm -hmm. Although the Santa in this movie is not your typical, you know, fat, jolly elf Santa. This is like this big, grizzled, like mm -hmm. uh, he looks like a, he's kind of mean and scary, and he's got this big scar down the front of his face, and you don't know why he's like that until later in the movie. Right. They're like. Could you, um, you know, Santa, but sex them up a little, you know, just make him look bangable. And that's what we really want for this for this movie. Yes. Middle aged bangable Santa. That's one mm -hmm. of our main characters. Right. So, so Santa's in his stable and he hears a commotion outside his stable. And again, it's Christmas Eve. He's like, who's there at my stable? And he grabs his axe like he's going to fight somebody. <laughs> and he's like, is it you? Is this our final battle? And then that's the start of the movie, and we'll have a payoff at the end of the movie, but that's the opening. And then we get a little flashback. It says 12 hours earlier, and now yes. we get Shatner. Yes. Uh, so when I was watching this movie, 
the first time I was like, okay, I've seen a lot of low budget horror movies. Very rarely do you see anybody you recognize. Maybe there are people that you will recognize in a few years, Mm -hmm. but uh, to be met with the second character on screen is William Shatner. That was a real big surprise for me. What about you? (laughs) That's either a really big get by the producers of the movie or a very low point in the career of William Shatner. You can look at it one of two ways. (laughs) It's the the two uh, ships passing in the night of (laughs) Shatner's career slash these producers' career. Oh, my God, William Shatner was available. Wow. <laughs> so they paid Shatner in cash under the table to appear. Probably. Yeah, and he's just a DJ, and he will narrate this entire movie. As all these stories are going on, William Shatner's narrating the movie. And what is his name? His name is what, uh, Dangerous Dan, a disc yeah, jockey. Yeah, DJ Dangerous Dan. <laughs> and he loves Christmas, doesn't he? Yeah, he's uh, one of those people who is aggressive about his love for Christmas. (laughs) Like, uh, I mean, everyone likes Christmas, I think. That's especially like the the cheer. But uh, he's the kind of guy who's like, oh, I like Christmas. And he's like, yeah, me too. Now let me corner you and tell you about how there's a war on it and (laughs) how that's wrong. And you're like, oh, man, I regret getting into this conversation at a holiday party. Damn. Yeah, there's love Christmas and there's sexually love Christmas. Yes, he's, yeah. he's bordering on that. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> yeah. the the Santa in this movie is actually his fan fiction version of Santa. <laughs> That's how much he loves Christmas. <laughs> wow, we're <laughs> 10 minutes into the podcast and we have Shatner writing Santa slash flick. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's what I, I I hope that's what you wanted on this, or uh, I misread it. Yes. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's the birth of Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, William Shatner, he loves Christmas, and he's doing his little shtick on the radio, and he's just talking about how it's the time of giving and the time of family and the time of love, and he will pull out a little thing of eggnog and a little thing of, uh, what, vodka? I'm not sure what he's putting in there. Rum, maybe. It's some alcohol. He's getting, he's getting lit on the radio. Yeah. Shatner will grow progressively more and more drunk as the movie goes on. So he's a wonderful narrator and role model for the children. Mm-hmm. It actually lists him in the plot synopsis as an alcoholic radio DJ, which I think is unfair. Yes, it's not appropriate to be drinking on the job, but he's not, you know, spinning out. He's showing up on time and stuff. Not, now, not here's, here's the question. Do you think Shatner knew he was in a movie or is this just him? Yeah, no, I think they just recorded him and then wrote the rest of it off of whatever insane drunk ramblings. <laughs> yes, it was bad. The first horror movie filmed on a GoPro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So oh, Shatner okay. is just narrating. And so apparently there's this food drive at the mall, down at the mall in Bailey Downs. And Shatner is, he's bummed he can't go. They're sending one of the other men from their uh, news channel, the weatherman named Storm and Norman. And Storm and Norman will become very important to the plot, although you don't realize that right at the start. Right. And uh, Storm and Norman's not too happy to be doing it. He doesn't like Christmas. Now, how, how would we know he doesn't like Christmas? Well, he uh, he's like, hey, Storm and Norman, you're going down there. Isn't that great? And then Storm and Norman doesn't get on the mic and instead just writes fuck Christmas on a piece of paper and puts it up to the window. 
<laughs> okay, now I know this was a Shatner home movie. I know yeah. Shatner's neighbors probably, yeah. But, so anyway, yeah, Storm and Norman is the grumpy old weatherman. He doesn't like Christmas. He doesn't want to take part in charity events. He holds mm -hmm. up the sign that says, fuck Christmas. And so he's he's sort of the Grinch of the story. He will not oh, come up well. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so... Shatner, this is the, the, the wraparound story. Storm and Norman go into the, do the charity event, and Shatner will narrate. And now we go into the meat of the movie, the four stories. And I'm going to name or number these stories, Brian. Okay. So here we go. Number one, we'll call the reporters, okay? Okay, yep. Okay, so explain the setup for the reporters story. So the reporters is three high school students who are doing a, it seems like documentary for their media studies class about these really horrific murders of their classmates that happened just a year ago. And they have to go into a basement where the murders took place to film their uh, serial-esque documentary about uh, the murders. Yeah. Okay. So, and again, we're going to go right through this story in the movie. It's presented split up into little segments. So it happens mm -hmm. part of it here, part there, part later. We're just going to go right through it, but the movie opens. Yeah. So a year ago, there's this academy in Bailey Downs where two uh, students were murdered. The girl, we'll find out in a second what happened to them, but they, yeah, these two kids were killed. And a year later, the student crew was going to do an on-site uh like a update on what, what the, where the crime happened, what the crime mm -hmm. site looks like now. And the fact that, Oh, here's the fun part for the horror movie. The, the killer has not been caught yet. Yes. That's uh that's never a good sign. And you want to stay away from any place where a killer has already killed. If they're not caught, I think that's like one of the first rule of true crime, you know, like killers always return to the scene of the crime and you don't want to be there. Yeah, we, we might want to put up that notice at Camp Crystal Lake at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd think after like 14, 15 counselors get murdered, people might look for jobs elsewhere. Yeah. Fool me 16 times. Shame on me. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so we open with a little, it's like a actual uh, police footage. We see the mm -hmm. murder scene, what happened to this murder, and basically... These two, this boy and this girl were murdered in this dorm. The boy was like crucified up against a wall. It's really kind of brutal. He gets yeah. spread, spread armed and his neck is broken. And the girl's body is hanging down from the rafters. And we see there's, a, there's some words that have been written on the wall after their murder. Do you remember the actual phrase that's written here? Oh, gosh. I was like, come on. Oh, no, I'm not going to know the exact <laughs> quote. I'm sorry, Mario. Luckily, Failed with my ex my extensive Bible knowledge, I've looked this up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've never read the Bible. But anyway, the exact phrase is, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's that's creepy on its own. Yeah. And what is that? What is that Bible verse? It's like Isaiah chapter nine, nine verse or six, something. Like yeah. That. So this whole first story is about children and giving birth and virgin birth. And it's very, very ties into the uh, whole Jesus story. Again, Merry Christmas, everybody. Right. Merry Christmas. Jesus's birthday. I believe uh, DJ Danger Stan was uh, very excited about Jesus's birthday in the first scene. So you got to tie that together. Yeah. So these kids go into this basement of this school. And again, the school is closed because it's Christmas Eve. And mm -hmm. it's this girl reporter and her two male assistants. One's a cameraman. I don't know what the other guy does. And they go in. Sound, maybe? 
Okay, good. Sound. Yeah. Yeah, so they go into this locked school. They have gotten keys. Their friend has stolen the keys. So they can get down into the basement. Mm-hmm. And they do an on-site report in this creepy murder scene. And let's just say things are not going to go well. No. And one of the things let, – let's pretend this isn't a horror movie for one. I get the feeling that maybe the downstairs part of this school is just off limits after the murders in general. Um, but then they film down there and they make a big deal about not wanting to get caught down there. But they're incriminating themselves pretty heavily by filming down there. So I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. Now – in my personal opinion, this is the weakest of the four stories in the movie. What do you think? Yeah, this is the one where when uh, I was thinking back to the movie before I rewatched it, I was like, what it, What was the thing in there? What was, what was the scary part of that movie? But uh, then watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's what that was. Yeah, I was going to say, I could, I could see this movie a hundred times, and I will always forget what the punchline or the ending mm-hmm. of this one is. I'm like, all right, something bad happened. Okay, so... Let's walk through the story. They go down in the basement, mm-hmm. and it's all it's like this abandoned little part of the school. And we find out this used to be an old convent. Like, yep. in the old days, they would take unwed mothers here, like 15, 14-year-olds that got pregnant, and they'd throw them down here, and they'd either force them to have an abortion, or they this is where they'd give birth until you could bring show their face back in society. So there's right. a real nasty history down here. And the girl, the reporter, she knows all this, right? Yeah, so, you know, very... I guess you've seen this kind of narrative in a lot of stuff. Um, new season of Daredevil, for instance, same same deal. But uh, yeah, this is a thing that would happen with uh, the religious schools, or people would be, if they were part of a really religious family, they'd be sent away to these kind of schools to either have, like you said, the abortion or give birth and away from society's eye, and then they would return to to their family and. Uh, yeah, she she knows kind of what happened here, and she knows that beforehand there was somebody who claimed to be a virgin and was uh, pregnant, and she tried to have an abortion, and she passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, and that's the part of this movie. I wish they would have hit this part, the story, a little better, because mm-hmm. I always forget that's in there, that they're trying right. to tie this in with the Virgin Mary. But it's just a throwaway line. Oh, this girl was pregnant or a virgin and she became pregnant. It's just a throwaway. I'm like, that's the crux of the story. We're recreating the Virgin Mary uh, experience here. Yeah, is, is this one out of all of them has like the heaviest religious overtones. You know, the girl even makes a joke about or maybe not even a joke, just a bitter statement when they see the nativity scene downstairs. And they're like, yeah, we couldn't put it up this year because of the war on Christmas. Yeah. This is like really heavy handed almost. But uh, yeah, like you said, they, they should have set this up more um, and should have maybe tied in the original murders a little bit more to this, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And don't worry, we're going to skim through this one because the other three stories are fantastic. So we're going to yeah. skim through this one a little bit. So they get down there and they shoot their little on-set piece and they film where the murder happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, to this day, still no one knows who killed them or why. And then, uh-oh, all of a sudden the doors to the thing shut and they're trapped down there in this haunted place where a murder took place. And then this is the one of the creepier scenes in the movie. The They go into a storage room. Mm-hmm. where I have to say my grandparents when I was a kid had a really big house in Seattle and they had this big walk-in storage room 
and they had life-size nativity scene in there, like these full-on Jesus statues that were bigger than me when I'm a kid. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That room scared the hell out of me when I was a kid, when you were in there in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I bet. Yeah. So that's exactly <laughs> what this is. These kids get trapped in this room with all these giant nativity st uh, statues that just are staring at them. And all of a sudden, these ghosts will start appearing in between them. Yeah. And uh, we get a lot of shots, like, through the camera you know, to kind of make it even more disoriented and make it more like from their POV and kind of make you be like, wait, is, are they just, are they actually seeing a ghost or is it just, you know, the, the nativity scene and they're just, you know, freaked out by being in a unfortunate situation. Yeah. They're, they're playing little Mario Lanza, the home game. <laughs> this is me visiting my grandparents' house and hating that walk-in closet. Hey man, I it's even as an adult when I worked at McDonald's back in a few years ago, we had like a life-size Santa thing down there in the basement, so I'd be like stocking shelves uh <laughs> when like the load would come in at night and every now and then just would catch it out of the corner of my eye and have a mini heart attack like oh my god, there's someone down here. No, nope, just Santa <laughs> creepily staring at me from the corner. That is the plot for a McDonald's horror story starring Brian Marr. Right, yeah, that's, that'd probably make even or probably be seen by even less people than this movie. <laughs> you were not loving it. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I'm gonna skip to this one just because I like the other stories more. The this is the most complicated story, so I'm not really doing it justice. But the gist of this one is that the girl who was 15 and was un, was unable to have her baby many years ago. She was forced to have an abortion. She was 15. She gave virgin birth. She's been mm -hmm. trying to get people to recreate her experience and give birth to her child for her. And right. so now that there's a female reporter down here, she has found her, what would be the right word, the uh, incubation, incubator for her? Yeah, the uh, incubator, the, I, guess, oh, I mean, I don't know if it's the right word, but it's the most accurate word <laughs> right there. Yeah. So this spirit has possessed this girl, and basically she forces this girl to go and have sex with these two guys down there to try to get herself mm -hmm. pregnant. And the first guy says, no, I got a girlfriend. So mm -hmm. the girl, the demon, like, shoves a crucifix to the guy's eye and kills him. And then yeah. she goes to the other guy instead and says, let's have sex. And basically, the guy just lays there and she mounts him. And we get a <laughs> fairly graphic sex scene for a Christmas movie. Yeah, this, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie It Follows, but that's the only, like, worse sex scene than, than this one. Yeah, so. So she is possessed to have sex with this guy, and then the reporter girl becomes pregnant, and then this mm -hmm. is the reveal at the end of the movie that she realizes she's been possessed by this 15-year-old girl who died many years ago, mm -hmm. and that was the murder a year ago, is that this girl tried to possess these other two who were in here, and they refused to do it, so she killed them. So the reporter girl is now going to give birth to this lady's, this, this girl's baby, and what is that? The, the spirit kills the other guy, the, the, the sound yeah, guy? Yeah, kills Ben, I think his name was, maybe. She cru crucifies yeah. him up against the wall, just like last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you think um, this is going to hold up in court for her? Do you think she's going to go down for these murders? Yeah, that's a tough question. I, I, yeah. I don't think Bailey Downs probably has the best police department, so mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure. But yeah, she's, the, this will be a hard one to defend in court, that you killed two guys and you ended up pregnant. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, that's the end of the story. The reporter girl gets out, and now she's carrying this 15-year-old girl's baby from many decades ago, and it's kind of creepy and kind of religious. But again, it is the weakest of the four stories. Right, right. So, which one do we want to cover next? 
I will leave it up to you. I will I will throw two stories out there. I will say one is the Krampus story, mm-hmm. and one is the little boy story. You decide. Well, I think well, they both have a uh, connection, but let's go with the little boy story just because in this last story we just covered, uh, the one of the main characters is in it for a brief part. He's one of the police officers who investigate the original murders. Yeah. And that's if you'd seen Trick or Treat and Trick or Treat, all the stories intersect, all the characters and all the stories. This one does that a little at the start. Yeah. And, uh, they're watching the police video of the murder in the convent. And the police officer who's investigating it was so troubled by that murder scene with the guy crucified against the wall. He goes on leave and he becomes the star of story number two, the black guy who he and his wife and his son are out getting a Christmas tree in the forest. Yeah. On Christmas Eve, too, like. I don't know about you, but a lot of people I know, including my family, we, we have the Christmas tree up a little bit before the last minute, you know? I don't, I don't know what people generally do, but I, I think it's – you're only going to enjoy it for one day? Are you just going to throw it out? Yeah. Canada is a different place, my friend. I guess so. It just seems like a lot of work for one day. Yeah. We always go to get our tree at a tree farm like mm. a week before Christmas, and we get the worst selection because all the good ones are gone. So we get like the little Charlie Charlie Brown tree, but that that's that's still a couple days before this guy goes out. So, but then again, they're going out to the forest and they're cutting down a tree. So, I guess if you're just right. going illegally to cut down a tree, you get the pick of the litter. That's true. That's true, and it is authentic. You know, it's it, you're not any of this fake tree. It's only only the real stuff. But there is a bit of a problem because they're they're doing this on someone someone's land. Yes, and he's a cop. I don't know if he he feels like that makes him above the of the law or what. Well, he's on leave. I don't think you're technically a cop when you're on leave. Oh, no, right. <laughs> but yeah, oh. this. Okay, this is story number two, the Christmas tree story. My personal favorite story in the movie. My daughter, a big horror movie fan. I just asked her this afternoon. She said this was her favorite as well. Is this your favorite? I like this one a lot. Um, there's just, there is just something about the Santa story <laughs> that just for me is like, yeah, if you're gonna make a ridiculous. Movie, but this I think is probably the freakiest one. You know, the other one's just like fun. Yeah, this one would hold up as a standalone movie, I think. Yes, yeah, definitely. Okay, so we'll get to the good part. There's a special word I'm not saying. I don't want to spoil where it's going, but yeah, we'll get there. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a hard thing. Yeah, this family again, African American family out in the woods, just a walking into some tre- uh, no trespassing area, and we find out later why they shouldn't have been trespassing here. Mm-hmm. But they're just out in the snow, and they're cutting down a tree, and they're in the middle of the forest, and it's like at night, and they keep seeing, they keep seeing things looking at them. They see like little eyes, little shadows, and like this is kind of creepy in here. Yeah, it's it's uh, not great. But then again, like you said, Canada, maybe it's different. Maybe that's normal up there. I'm not sure. <laughs> Those are just all what moose and elk and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of wildlife, lot <laughs> lot of strange tree elves. I assume. I don't, again, don't know anything about Canada other than what South Park has taught me. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so, uh, they go out there and they cut down a tree and as they're walking back and again, it's a mom and a dad and a little, how old would you say this kid is like six, five or six? Yeah. Five, six, no, no older than that. Okay. Will this cute little kid named Will, as they're walking back to their car with their tree, the kid disappears and they're like, huh? And they panic, as one would do when your child is lost in the woods, and they go looking for him. Will, where's Will? Yeah, you know, um, 
I think that's even the like it's one it's cold. It's winter. It's almost Christmas and you're in the woods. It could be anywhere. Kids are, I found are a lot like a lot faster than you would think. <laughs> Kids are so small you'd think you'd never lose them, but you know, this uh this would be a pretty scary situation. I don't have any kids myself, so I know I can concede to you on this. Yeah. You did have two kids, but they ran away quickly, right? Yeah, I couldn't catch them. They're, they're gone. <laughs> Little bastards. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Will is gone in the forest, and they're looking for him. And then all of a sudden, he appears out of the hollow of a tree, like the Keebler elves, like those little <laughs> holes. And when all of a sudden, Will pops out, and they're like, Will, you scared us. But all of a sudden, Will is not smiling anymore. He's just, he has a very different affect on his face. Mm. Yeah, up before this, he's a very, like, gung-ho you know like he has asthma but it's not gonna stop him he's excited to be out here getting a tree with his parents it's christmas he's a happy kid and then after that he's uh probably about what i was like as a kid just straight face not not smiling too much i was gonna go even further than that and say will is now an asshole he has become a giant asshole (laughs) (laughs) he really has this little will kid this actor's great he's just stone-faced and he glares at you he will not smile yeah, no, that's actually the thing, because when you have roles that have to be played by actors this young, it's really hit or miss. Like, it's either the kids are awful or they're, like, amazing. And honestly, I think this kid's closer to amazing. He's really good in this. Yeah. When I think of this movie, the two things I think of are three, Santa, Krampus, and this kid. Right. <laughs> All right, so, and we're going to spoil this a little, and it's it's mm. impossible to talk about this movie without spoiling it, but I like it's not really a huge reveal. This isn't like The Sixth Sense. Right. But what happened is Will has been replaced out in the woods. Now, Brian, what has he been replaced by? A changeling, which is like an evil spirit that, uh, as, as uh, someone whose heritage is from Ireland, that they're pretty popular there, but it's supposed to be, you know... If you get lost in the woods, you get taken by the changelings, and a changeling will go in your place. And uh, that's what happened to Will here. Now, is this historically an Irish Christmas myth? Um, I don't know if it's Christmas specific, but I do know, like, the myth is pretty um, popular in, like, uh, Irish folklore. I could probably throughout Europe, honestly, but yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the one story that feels like it's not specific to Christmas, but it's based on like a real urban legend, real mythology. So, And I think this is the creepiest one, to be honest. Yeah, I think uh, there's some really effective shots they do, like the reflection, where like you, the, you see Will as Will, but the, his reflection is this creepy little demon fairy thing. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Which is funny because he's not that dissimilar to the mascot in Trick or Treat, a little guy named, uh, what is his name? I always forget his name. Damn it. Whatever his name is, <laughs> I will insert in audio of me saying his name. Sam. His name was Sam. So anyway, this whole story is the parents taking Will home, and it's slowly dawning on them that their son is not their son anymore. He's been replaced by a demon, an exact lookalike demon who... A, wants to kill them, and B, wants to sample the pleasures of human flesh. Yeah, this is the one horny demon. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. So, (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. We're recommending a movie where a little six-year-old starts groping his mother. I forgot that scene was in this. (laughs) I was rewatching it. I was like, whoa, what? (laughs) 
Yeah, they have a little stunt midget down there. They're not going to let the six-year-old grab the boobs, but they have a little right. stunt dude. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there's a very interesting dream secret. It's, uh, hey, happy holidays, everybody, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Spend time with your family and watch a Christmas horror story. <laughs> so, And again, this movie is not, like, especially graphic or intense or, like, unpleasant. It's a fun movie. It's just there's some interesting themes going on in this movie. We'll just leave it at that. It, it's Canada. I would say it's exactly. I would say this is like the perfect movie. You have like your family over, you, you're drinking your own spiked eggnog and you're just having a good time, you know, you're like, don't take it too seriously. Just go into it and enjoy it. <laughs> so this is how you choose to celebrate the Christ child's birth by showing this movie to grandma and grandpa. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're like, oh, William Shatner, remember Star Trek? He's in this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All Star Trek fans. This is perfect for Star Trek fans. The parents take Will home and they're, you know, they're dressing up the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. And Will is just sitting there all stone faced glaring at them. And they're like, you know, our son's kind of a dick now. (laughs) What happened? Yeah, this is uh, his asthma is cured, but he is a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) He is a and so they're eating dinner. And, like, Will is just scarfing down food as fast as he can. And the mom's like, you know, Pumpkin, please don't eat all that food so fast. And he just kind of glares at her and growls. And then the dad reaches over. He's like, Will, you listen to your mother. And Will stabs his father in the hand with a fork. Oh, man. And you can, you see it coming. Like, you know, like, when his hand's going out, you know the way this kid's acting. There's something not right about him. And, yeah, he gets stabbed right in the hand. So, already this is the worst Christmas Eve ever. And that the son is stabbing the father. So Will gets sent to his room, which is typical when you stab your father, go to the room. And now it's all hell's going to break loose because the dad is going to discipline Will. The dad is mad that the son is acting up. He pulls off his belt and he starts hitting Will. And the mom protects him. Mom's like, stop, don't hit my son. But changelings do not like to be beaten, apparently. No, I mean, who? well, one, who does? But two, like, that that's a step over the line, you know? Like, <laughs> how how dare you? Hit me with a belt. And I thought this kind of took a weird turn because obviously they kind of set, um, what is his name, Scott, uh, up as a sympathetic you know, figure. He's just mm-hmm. trying to do his best. He's had this really traumatic situation with work, and uh, he's just trying to hold it all together. And then uh, this is not a very nice scene. This is not, this is not good. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a, it's an interesting turn. Although, first off, you said who likes to get beat. There probably is an S and M changeling out there who does enjoy yeah. this kind of stuff. I don't want to judge, but there probably is in Irish mythology. Mm, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to come on your podcast and kink shame. That's the last thing I wanted to do. I apologize to any uh, BDSM changelings out there who are offended by that. Yeah. My audience, yeah, my audience is like ten percent changeling. So make sure right. that that apology goes out there. So, so. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, so Will is now taking over the house, and he's slowly infiltrating. And like we said earlier, we get the scene where the mom is asleep, and we, mm-hmm. Will leaves his bed and decides to crawl up under her covers because he wants to taste her flesh. Yeah, and before that, she's in the shower, and Will just, like, moseys on in there <laughs> to watch her shower. Changeling wants a little brown sugar. Yeah, he's he's into it, man. <laughs> 
So, and again, this is her kid. He's six. <laughs> so we get this shot immersively. It's very short of him crawling up under her covers and kind of, you can tell, feeling her up and grabbing her breast. And then she wakes up. She's like, huh? And Will is back in his bed very quickly. So he's not caught, but yeah. you know this is where it's going. Right. And I believe this is where she gets the warning call, right? She gets the, the guy who owned the property where the trees came from calls mm. and says, um, did something happen to your son tonight? Because I have something bad to tell you. Yeah, he's like, um, five hours ago I saw you, but I didn't want to say anything till now. I wanted to have the most dramatic effect <laughs> possible. <laughs> but, uh, hey, if your son's acting like a dick, um, might be because something bad happened. You should bring him back here. <laughs> yeah. Full refund. Bring him back. Right. No questions asked. So he's like, just pay attention to your son. And she's like, and he's also like, by the way, or no, she hangs up on him at first. She doesn't believe him. She's mm-hmm. like, no, go away. And then things are going to escalate when Will kills his father. Yeah. Well, you know, he he just wanted to open some presents, enjoy uh, Christmas, and he had to bring out the belt. So, you know, he had to he had to die, I guess. Yeah. But this is where we get the creepy scenes you were talking about earlier. We see one shot of Will looking in a window and you see the reflection of glowing eyes in the background. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is that there's a scene with a dad sitting in the li- living room on the couch or something. I forget what he's doing. And Will is slowly crawling across the ceiling in the background. Yeah, it's creepy. Oh, but hey, you know, Scott, big fan of DJ Danger Stan. You know, he's listening to him on the radio out there. So that's <laughs> good little crossover. Yeah. He's getting drunk on the couch by himself on Christmas Eve after being stabbed in the head. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so Will kills his father and it's off camera. We don't see it. We just see the mom's reaction. She walks out and her husband is he's been choked. He has been strangled by the light, the wires and his hands have been chewed off. Yeah. It's a little bit of overkill. I mean, but then again, I don't know. Again, don't want to, you know, say what changelings are into or not. Uh, but we don't judge. Yeah, we don't judge. It just seems like it's kind of a lot for Christmas Eve, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's if only they'd gotten their tree on a different day, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, the mysterious man from the, the tree farm calls again. She's like, he's like, you know, you probably have figured out by now you have a changeling that's a demon. And he's like, bring it back here. We'll get your child back. And also don't spook the changelings. Changelings do not like feeling in danger. They will react with violence. And so what does the mom do? The first thing she does is grab a baseball bat. Well, you know, as, as one does, I mean. Maybe Will's just really into baseball. (laughs) He's like, well, maybe I can, like, trick him and be like, hey, we're going to go baseball. There's no reason to be alarmed. Just going to get in the car. Little Christmas Eve night baseball? Yeah, this is how it is. It's Canada. (laughs) What the fuck, Canada? It's weird. (laughs) So, so yeah, she goes and grabs a baseball bat, and Will sees her, and he's a little spooked, so he attacks her, and she basically beats the hell out of him with a baseball bat. It's a very cool scene of a little stunt six-year-old being whammed by a bat. Yes. Oh, man. This movie, man. (laughs) This is the movie that Jesus would have wanted on his birthday. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So she takes Will and she drags him in her car, puts him in a burlap sack and drags him back out to the forest. And the old man's there. And and the old man, of course, has her son, right? Ready for exchange. Right. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what happens. (laughs) Oh, tell tell people what happens. All right. So we're reading straight from the synopsis, obviously. Don't want to mess up. So uh, they bring him back to 
This guy's name is Big Earl. Did we mention that? <laughs> I've never, I, I never heard that name in the movie. Big Earl. Yeah. So bigger. I don't know if he's named in the movie. Um, but uh, anyway, so brings the changeling back to Big Earl, who states that he's not able to help her find her son. Uh, it's up to the changelings now to decide. Um, and you know, for that, Big Earl gets shot. Yeah, Big Earl. Okay, so yeah, Big Earl has baited and switched her. This is now, do not do business, young business leaders. This is not how you do this. You lure the mom back with a promise you'll give her her son. And she gets there, and he's like, I don't know where your son is. Can I have my changeling back? Yeah, so, he's... <laughs> he's a jerk. This is the, maybe the, the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals, Mario. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> so he's a... What, I'm not sure we're used to, allowed to use the word Indian giver, but whatever the Canadian equivalent to that is. Right. <laughs> I promise you this. Just kidding. First Nation giver? Is that the correct term? Aboriginal, perhaps? I'm not sure exactly. So, uh, yeah, she is mad that he will not give her son back, and he sh she shoots him with a gun. And then it's just her and the changeling now in the forest. And the changeling is turned into full-on demon makeup, and he's, like, leering at her, and he is going to taste the pleasures of the flesh once again but she she begs him right right um so <laughs> this is ridiculous. so basically with big earl out of the picture the changelings are are no longer contained right yes and uh you know he the we get will we get will back yeah well she begs the changelings for some reason feel bad for her She's like, please mm -hmm. give me my son. And all of a sudden, Will is released from his hold in some other, other upside-down dimension he's been in, and he's released. So he comes out and hugs his mother, and it is probably the one happy ending in the movie. Although, I guess the father died, so it's not that happy. Hey, hey, Ben got a happy ending. I don't know what you're <laughs> saying here, Mario. Okay, so. So, yeah, so the mom comes out and she gets her son and that's the end. And that's the, in my opinion, the best story in the movie, The Changeling. And it's mm -hmm. the one I think it's everyone. That one stands out to pretty much everyone. I think, yeah, it's the best, like, as far as a horror movie goes, it's, it's probably the best story. And like you said, if they add more characters and stuff, this could be its own movie itself. Yeah. Big Earl, he's, like it's a Big Earl expanded universe. Yeah. He's the <laughs> Thanos of this universe. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that's two stories, and we got two more. And now we'll move on to this one is fun. This is the big special effects centerpiece of the movie, the Krampus movie, or the the Krampus story. Yes. So um, what the what the don't you know use for making the driving scenes look legit? The <laughs> per certainly put that money in the costume because I do think the costume looks really cool. Yeah, this is there's a lot of CGI in this movie and it looks really good. Again, for a low budget, almost direct to video movie, this Krampus effect is cool. This is for people who don't know, Krampus is the basically the anti Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. As if our podcast is already bad enough, now we're going into blasphemy <laughs> with the anti Santa Claus. So he's this big white demon who in Germany somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, it's a German uh folklore, I believe. Either that or Shroot Farms. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> where this came from. But yeah, on Krampusnacht, which is the night before Christmas in German mythology, the Krampus demon comes out and he tortures and kills all the people who have committed sins. All the sinners in the world must pay for their sins. So that is the myth where we're going on this one. Yeah, and, uh, and so Krampus, I think, is kind of a fun myth. You know, the idea that, like, 
all the good people get Santa, all the bad people get murdered by a half goat man. <laughs> as it's very German. It's as German as you can get. <laughs> it's a big big goat culture over there. So this is the story of this family, and they're like the worst family ever. The dad is a con artist, the mom is a nag, the son is just a little jerk, and the daughter is a thief. And they're going on family vacation. Although I should point out the daughter in this movie is in the first reporter movie. She's like the friends with the reporters. So it's like all the movies tie together in this first scene that she splits off and goes with her family here. Yeah, she uh, actually gets them the key in the first scene to get into the basement. And also dry humps one of the, the camera guy in front of her parents. <laughs> that, guy got, yeah, that guy got dry humped twice. No, that's a different yeah. guy. That's a different guy. Uh, right, right. He almost, he, but he refused it because this was the... This was the girl that he was staying loyal to. Okay, yeah. so the family is going, and it's Christmas Eve, and they're going out to visit their rich old aunt. They have this crazy aunt, and she's got a husband. What is his name? I just wrote it down. Gunther yeah. or something like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, Gerhardt. Gerhardt, yeah. So he's big Gerhardt. Hell, yeah. yeah. Normal <laughs> so, name. Yeah, so they're going out to visit their aunt and uncle, and it's really... Just a pyramid scheme pitch that the dad is trying to hit up their rich relative on Christmas Eve and make her feel bad. So, again, this family sucks, and they get out to the, this mansion to visit their old rich aunt, and, and what happens here? So he brings the aunt into the other room to pitch him. Like uh, like all of your friends, if you're my age, 25, all of your friends from high school who didn't leave hometown will also be doing this pitching you on a pyramid scheme <laughs> um so you might be familiar but uh he brings her out and so the shitty family is hanging about and the kid who's the least likable kid of all time probably um starts playing with this krampus statue and gerhardt's like hey don't do that and the kid instead of being like oh i'm sorry i didn't know he knocks it off the table like a little asshole. <laughs> now, you said he's the least likable kid ever. Is he worse than asshole Will the Changeling? I would prefer. Well, you know, that he was just driven by primal desire. This kid's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think that's an excellent answer. So, yeah, this this kid is breaking statues in his rich aunt's house on purpose just to spite the aunt and Uncle Gearhart, And they kick him out. They're like, get out of here. We don't like you in our family. Get out of our house. And so, yeah, it's reasonable. I'm on their side, 100%. Yeah, you're Team Gearhart for now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so the family is driving home, and, and what we're led to believe is that the statue the little kid broke in the aunt's house is a statue of the Krampus. And mm -hmm. if you break a statue on the, of the Krampus on Christmas Eve, now you are an enemy of Krampus Knocked, and the Krampus is going to come hunt you down and murder you. Mm -hmm. so as as it, As... They do. You know, this is Krampus is just waiting for some asshole to free him so he could get on with murder. Yeah, this is all based on a true story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this is real with a daughter named Caprice. <laughs> Caprice. A lot of Caprices <laughs> walking around rural Canada. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's the rest of this one. This one will become an action movie. This is one of the bigger, bigger action set pieces in the movie where the family's driving home, and all of a sudden the Krampus demon will hunt them down as they're driving home. Mm -hmm. And first he darts in front of them, he makes their car <laughs> run off the road, and then they're stranded down the middle of nowhere, and they're trying to walk through the forest back to the aunt's house. And this is basically the Hunger Games at this point with the Krampus and his giant chain whip 
whipping them and killing them. Yeah, so the dad gets, like, shot by the whip, but he, he's, like, bleeding a lot, but he's not in pain, it seems. <laughs> I know. He's just like, oh, did I get shot? And it's like, yeah, that's probably what the, like, five gallons of blood coming out of you is. You definitely got hit by something. I You don't feel this? I don't understand. And the Krampus, for people who have not seen this before, he's big. Like, he's not just a dude walking around in a goat costume. How tall is he? He's like eight feet tall. He's a big dude. Yeah, so uh, let me see if Rob Archer, I believe, is the actor's name. And in real life, that guy's 6'6", six, six, but he's 6'6", six, six and just like straight muscle. He's played Jason Voorhees. Ah. Uh, or no, um, did he play Jason Voorhees? That might be wrong. Hold on. No, it doesn't look like he did it. He said he grew up admiring him. That was my, my mistake. But yeah, he's a... Uh, just a really like built dude um, who is physically intimidating. And then they also put a goat head on him, which makes him even more <laughs> terrifying. I mean, that works with anybody. You put a goat head on like Taylor Swift and she's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Krampus in this is he's all dressed in white, blinding white, huge mm-hmm. goat horns, huge hooves, scary looking bare chested dude. And yeah, he has his whip and he whips the kid first. And yep. he pulls the kid off to be eaten. And then, like uh, Brian said, he whips the dad in the stomach. He gut shots him. And the dad loses gallons and gallons of blood and is perfectly fine, apparently. Yeah, he's not even in pain. He's just like, oh, did, did something hit me? Just yeah. a flesh wound. Yeah, exactly. It's just a flesh <laughs> wound. I did really enjoy the shot um, when the kid gets pulled away, dropping the flare into the sea. It's really like a well uh, just designed shot in my opinion like it looks really cool they did a good job yeah. with that yeah you don't see the krampus for a while you see this chain coming out of nowhere wraps itself around someone's head and they just get pulled out of frame right. so the kid gets yanked and the family is getting attacked so they run into this church apparently there's a church nearby yeah, just an abandoned and, church you know of course as you do <laughs> right which you think in christmas eve there would be people in the church yeah that's like the the people who are like hanging on to the last thread of being religious that's like the one night that they will actually go to church. Yeah, so. or the uh, the shovel slayer in Home Alone desperately waiting for the granddaughter to come visit him again. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, they're in the church, this abandoned church, and the dad's like, we'll be safe in here because we'll just confess our sins. You confess the sins in church, and Krampus will forgive you. And he's immediately grabbed by the neck by the chain and pulled out the window to his death. So that doesn't work. No, it was a good try. I, I guess, but uh, yeah, no, that was that was not going to work. Krampus is out for blood. Yeah, the Krampus cannot be. Uh, what's the right word here? <laughs> uh, he can tricked or uh, thwarted. Yeah, thwarted. You cannot thwart the Krampus. He will not stop until you pay for your sins. So the mom and the teenage daughter go into the confessional and try to hide in there. And this is an especially creepy scene where the Krampus is right outside the confessional, shaking it, trying to get in to get them. And instead, he can't get through the door. He puts his tongue under the door <laughs> and right up the daughter's thigh. Oh, man. So, yeah, they're, like, there are definitely some somewhat provocative scenes in this movie. I know in the first one we talked about that the girl's in, like, a miniskirt and they play with a lot of almost low angles, you know, that kind of thing. And this is uh, along the same lines. Yes, the, the family Christmas movie. <laughs> where the Krampus's tongue is feeling up the teen girl. Yeah, we got impregnation against someone's will in the first one. We got little 
Changeling babies groping their moms in the second one, and then we got a uh, Krampus uh, making moves with his tongue in this one. So that's good. Yeah. And what's funny is we're not even to the tasteless segment yet. Right. <laughs> so, so they they impale the Krampus's tongue, and he runs off. And what do they 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 try to? Oh, they get outside the church, and the Krampus is going to kill them. And the mom, the one noble person in this family, sacrifices herself. She tells her teen daughter, "Run, run away!" And the mom tries to fight the Krampus, is killed in about two seconds. Yeah, doesn't. And go so now well. it's just the teen girl. The teen girl is the only one left. And when she runs back to her aunt and uncle's house to escape the Krampus, she's like, help, help, help. And for some reason, she can't get in. Yeah, for some reason. Because um, the aunt it doesn't let her in, right? Well, or yeah, that? the aunt has locked her out. The yeah. aunt knows she's out there. The aunt, we find out, has basically sent these family members to their death, that she knew the Krampus was going to get summoned. So she sent them out of the house. She locked her door. She put a crucifix on the door so the Krampus couldn't get in. And the family is now being butchered outside. So this is the final battle between the girl, Caprice, the Canadian, mm. and the Krampus. Yeah, and still on uh, the aunt's side, honestly. Fuck this family. Just lock them out. Leave them in the snow better off in your giant house without them yeah so explain the twist ending i always forget this one has a little bit of a twist ending i yeah so she manages to kill krampus which is dope and then krampus (laughs) obviously is good for her uh but he transforms into gerhardt so it actually was gerhardt who was hunting them down um and it's revealed that edna knew that this would happen um and because she's so mad she takes on the form of krampus and kills edna so it's kind of weird right yeah okay let me let me summarize that for people who've never seen this yeah so gearheart the uncle is the krampus and he tries to attack the girl she impales him through the throat and then she lights him on fire and she has what is her catchphrase she's got a little action catchphrase right before she kills him uh, it's like Merry Christmas, motherfucker, or something like that. Is it, do we need to pull up the script? Let me. No, I think we're good. I'm going to say it's something along those lines. She gives a little Schwarzenegger one-liner. Right. I can pull up the movie right now, too, if you want me to. <laughs> no, that's good. Around. That's good. All right. I'm not going to put that much time into it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So she kills the Krampus, and he transforms into Gerhardt, the creepy uncle. And she goes inside. She's like, Gerhardt was the Krampus. And Aunt Edna explains this. She's like, well... That's the thing with Christmas. If you have a dark heart full of hatred, the spirit of Christmas can get inside you and possess you. And we saw that in the first move, the first movie where or the first segment where the spirit possessed the girl. We're going to see it in the next segment with Santa big time where something possesses someone. Oh, something does. Yeah. And so the aunt's like, well, Gearheart's heart was full of hate. And if you're angry on Christmas, the Krampus can possess you and become you. Mm-hmm. And so the girl, do you think that's the end of the movie? But the girl is furious. She's like, you left my family outside to die with a Krampus, you sick old bitch. And the aunt is like cowering, no, no. And the girl's like, if if all you need is anger for the Krampus to get inside you, I'm furious right now. And she slowly starts morphing into the Krampus right in front of the aunt. And it's this great ending where the teen girl, Caprice, becomes Camp- Krampus mm-hmm. and then murders the aunt out of retaliation. So that's the end of that one. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a fun ending. I think... Uh... Who knew that Krampus was inside us all, all along, you know? <laughs> yeah. like he's not an entity out there that can be killed. He's a, he's an idea, and he's in your heart. Yeah, that's all. But only on Christmas Eve. Only on Christmas Eve, right? Yeah, so this is why, 
if you have to go to the DMV, go on Christmas Eve because it's going to piss you off and you'll become the Krampus and it'll, everyone wins then. Yeah. And uh, it it will be a lot of fun for you at that time. It won't be fun to be in DMV, but, uh, you know, I guess much like uh, the people in this, it's like, do they deserve it? Maybe. Uh, who's, who's to say? Who's to say? Exactly. Yeah. On Christmas, who's to say who deserves to die horribly? Right. I mean, hey, they're trying to get into a pyramid scheme. I'm, I'm fine with this. A hundred percent okay with it. Yeah, so this Krampus one, it's more like a Twilight Zone episode or like Amazing Stories. It's got the twist and the retaliation and retribution. So anyway, let's go to the fourth story. Yeah, so this one's the one I think will stand out most. Like if you're trying to pitch it to someone and they're on the fence, you're just going to be like, yo, Santa, zombie elves, watch this movie. I don't know what you want. (laughs) Yeah. I, I do. I agree with you. The The Changeling segment is my favorite. I think it's the best. This is the segment that represents this movie much better. Santa fighting zombie elves, where we're going to get Santa's workshop basically becomes the evil dead for about 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I wish there was more of this just because it's so ridiculous and <laughs> so over the top. But uh, like it's like the Trojan horse. It, it gets you in the door, and then like the changeling is the meat of the of the movie. <laughs> You're the first person to compare a Christmas horror story to Greek mythology. Well, you know, I I, I hope that the filmmakers would hope, or rather, how do I phrase this? I think the filmmakers would hope that one day someone would compare their movie to Greek mythology. You know. Although the uh, this is Canadian, not Greek, so it would technically be the Trojan Moose. <laughs> I, I love it. I was saving that joke for a while. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, this this is a very simple storyline. It's uh, Santa it is in his workshop, and again, it's bangable Santa from mm-hmm. the beginning, old, grizzled, muscle Santa. Yep. And he's in his workshop on Christmas Eve, and one of his elves, his beloved elves, Shiny, comes down with an illness. Yeah, so this um, illness apparently makes you really irritable before killing you. And then afterwards, too, actually. But uh, so Shiny, this elf, is uh, a little bit of a potty mouth and then stab or uh, hits himself in the hand with an axe and dies. This one, the way we're describing it, is going to sound more horrible and disgusting than it is, but it's really very cartoony. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Shiny Shiny cuts off his own hand, and then he succumbs to the zombie sickness, which, for inexplicable reasons, has invaded the North Pole. Mm-hmm. And quickly, Shiny dies, and he when he dies, his blood splatters on everybody else, and every other elf in the North Pole now becomes a zombie, and they attack Santa. Yeah, so there's some really fun scenes in this, like, when he's running into the elevator, he's getting chased by these zombies, and a bunch of them get in, and you're like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And then it opens and Santa's just standing there covered in blood with all the elves like dead around him. And it's like, oh, oh shit, this is a bad like like you said at the beginning, Mario, he has an axe on his staff now. So he's he's ready. He was he knew that it was going to come to this one way or another. Yeah. Santa's got an axe and he's got the staff mm-hmm. and literally he becomes Bruce Campbell in this movie. Like he's just it's so good. It's just ass-kicking Santa left and right, decapitating elves with his staff, impaling them, bludgeoning. Uh, I'm trying to think of other key action verbs. He throws one out a window. Like, (laughs) it's so much. (laughs) 
It's just cartoony. These little elves flinging themselves at him. Santa beating the crap out of them, impaling them. And then it's just, you know, over and over scenes of this. And Santa getting progressively more pissed. Mm. Like, it's it's ass-kicking Santa now. He's just going crazy. And then he fights off all the elves. And he's killed basically everyone in the North Pole. And then we get the, the boss match at the end, the final showdown, where he meets Mrs. Claus. Right. Well, I, I do want to say one thing. I want to give some credit to Shiny here. His <laughs> lines are so funny. He's just, like, cursing like a sailor. Like, um, what? Oh, <laughs> he calls Santa, I think, a Christmas cocksucker at one point. Like, it's just so much. None of the other zombies talk, but he does. <laughs> Yeah, shiny is just one long string of expletives, and you said the Christmas, you know, that word, and also the four-letter word for female genitalia that starts with a C, that also yeah, pops yeah. out of his mouth. <laughs> shiny is just a total a-hole, just cursing at Santa, and Santa kills him like four different times, if yeah. I recall. Yeah. <laughs> shiny keeps coming back. As an actor, the actor who played Shiny must have just had a lot of fun uh, with this role. Unkillable zombie elf. It's a a trope. Yep. He's just swearing the entire time. <laughs> so Santa kills them all, and then he kills Mrs. Claus. She knifes him across the face. That's how he gets a scratch. Yeah, right, right. And it's just Santa's been through hell. He's been fighting and fighting everybody off and killing them, and he gets to the end of the movie. And this is where we wrap around to the very first scene in the movie where Santa's in his, you know, his is a stable and he hears someone outside and he's like, who is that? Is that Krampus? <laughs> and all of a sudden we get the big, the big boss match of all time where Santa with his ax fights the Krampus with his chain for the future and spirit of all Christmas. Yeah. It's on the cover. It's the, the cell or the poster rather not a video game. It's a movie. So it's on the poster. This is the selling point of the movie. We get the good version of Christmas, the bad version of Christmas, mono mono. Facing off in a pretty violent fight, honestly. Yeah. And this is the end of the movie. We we don't see who wins this fight because this movie has a twist. And I will I'll let you explain it in a second, Brian, but let me set it up that all throughout this movie, we've seen William Shatner on the radio, Dangerous Whatever Dan, Dangerous, I forget his name. but uh, Dangerous Dan, DJ Dangerous Dan. Yeah, so he's walking people through Christmas, and he keeps talking about all of these horrors that happen, happen in Bailey Downs and how this town is cursed on Christmas. And he keeps saying, there's this food drive down at the mall. Our, our weatherman, Storm and Norman, went down to the food drive, but apparently there's some situation down at the mall. Right. He's like, cops have been called in, and there's hostages and murders and oh it's the ter most terrible thing and we get updates on this throughout the movie that there's this horrible situation at the mall mm -hmm. and this is where we get the big twist in the movie the one that really sells this for me what is that twist brian so it turns out that sexy santa himself is just a mall santa named norman who had a mental breakdown while working overtime and just started killing people in the mall and we get flashbacks from him killing the elves and what it was really him just killing innocent people at the food drive. And yeah, what did, what did you think of this twist when you were first watching it? I love this twist because yeah. it, it takes this movie up from this movie's very silly and lightweight and it really makes it hardcore at the end. Mm -hmm. And be, that's, it just gives us some legitimacy. Yeah. That storm and Norman has been out at this food drive and he hates Christmas. He's the guy that says fuck Christmas at the start. He's been sent out to do a ho do a food drive dressed as Santa and at some point in the evening, he has snapped, and we don't see it, but he has taken his axe and murdered probably 50 people at the mall. Right. 
It's um, and it, there's that one part where he kills an elf who's like cowering in a closet, and then it turns out that that's just some scared girl, and it's, it adds like a lot to like, oh man, this was fun watching him kill the elves, but now I now I just feel bad. This is messed up. Yeah, the whole zombie elf subplot was just a cover for that was in his mind. He was killing innocent people, women and children, and it's horrible. And you don't see it. Again, it's kind of in your head. You just kind of see the aftermath of all these dead bodies. But I should point out there was a horror movie back in the 80s called Silent Night, Deadly Night, Mm -hmm. which involves Santa, a guy in a Santa suit, killing people. Oh, all right. And that, that movie was banned in, like, countries and states for years it was one of the movies you were not allowed to rent in a video store because the idea of santa killing people in a mall was so abhorrent so i'm just i want to point that out to throw that away as a how far we've come (laughs) yeah a little throwaway subplot in this movie like that times have changed quite a bit since the 80s when that would make a movie be banned Mm -hmm. yeah i mean not not even a blip now now it's just like a fun fun ending to an anthology film yeah a fun little twist you have to send me the uh name of that after the show i want to check that movie out now yeah if you can find it i've never actually seen it it's just i'll send it to you it's yeah for people it's called silent night deadly night and it's a guy who kills people as santa it's a very <laughs> notorious movie even as a kid i knew i'm not allowed to watch that that's way too hardcore for me even gotcha if... i'll let you know if i find it okay so so that's the end of the movie. We finally flash back to reality and Storm and Norman realizes what he's done. He has snapped and killed everybody in this mall. He's like, oh, my God. And he raises the axe when the cops come there and they all shoot him. And so he is he's killed and he dies. And that's the, really the end of the movie. Like I said, the fourth story really becomes a fifth story, Storm and Norman. Mm-hmm. And we just end with William Shatner on his on his radio show who's gotten progressively more drunk and trashed. <laughs> and now he's lamenting like, why are we cursed in Bailey Downs every year on Christmas? Horrible things happen. And he's like, remember, just grab your loved ones and give them a hug. And in the spirit of the holiday season, just remember, be with your family and they may not be here tomorrow. And and that's the end of the movie. The most joyful Christmas movie I've ever seen. It's really wonderful. Um, it's just such a interesting idea like one to have a horror movie set at christmas there's not many of those it's like black christmas of course the most famous one and then can't really think of any more and then this one's very interesting very unique very uh campy but a good time yeah it's it's not so hardcore that non-horror fans won't enjoy it it's not going to scare you off but it's got enough bite to it that it has horror legitimacy and like i know the reviews on this one are not super high. Some people really like it. Some people really don't. It gets mm-hmm. compared to Trick or Treat a lot. Right. And I don't know if it's as good as Trick or Treat, but I think it occupies the same place that I'm hoping this one becomes the Christmas horror movie because, like you said, there aren't really any other ones. And it's accessible enough, I think, it can pass as this is a fun movie that should be better known. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it just, I think it just really needs to get like on Sci-Fi Channel or something that like people will flip to and be like, "Wait, what is this?" And you know, watch, and that could be how it becomes like a cult classic, if you will. Yeah, and again, it's only four years old, mm. and I thought I thought it had been released direct to video or direct to Netflix. I read somewhere it had a very limited release in theaters. That shocks me. I, I I would love to meet somebody who actually saw this in the theater because I don't think it exists. I think they made that up. Yeah, it says, so let's see. 
July 20th, it played at the Fantasia International Film Festival. And then October 23rd, 2015, it released it, but then it says only in Canada in theaters. So <laughs> we weren't even able to see it down here. It was a limited release in Canada, which begs the question, does that even count as a release? Right. <laughs> I'd love to see the box office grow, son, on this one. We got we got one theater out in Kamloops. It was there for a couple of days. <laughs> oh, man. So, so anyway, a very little known movie that I am pleased to bring you here on Staff Picks. And again, so excited, Brian. I found somebody else who knows this movie. So that's, I think we're the two. And then I've shown it to my wife and daughter and my friend Matt and Fiona. And I think, I think we're the six people who have seen it. And my mom. Don't forget her. And your mom. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mrs. Marr. She rocks. Yeah, so I... I... She's going to be really excited for this episode. She's going to be like, oh, my God, are other people talking about this? Do we have to tone down some of the language for your mom? We kind of got racy on this one. Ooh, um, like I like I said, I've been doing stuff on comedy on the Internet for so long, and then my brother's a stand-up comedian. I think she's just desensitized to the stuff that comes out of our mouths these days. <laughs> I'm very excited that this one gets an explicit rating in iTunes. That's how I know we had a good episode when I get that that all exciting E rating. <laughs> hey, you know, I I do what I can, Mario. <laughs> and what I can't do is uh be crats and swear, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for coming to help me class up my podcast. Um, uh, I know you can plug your stuff once again. How can people find you if they want to look into more of your stuff? All right. So you can find me on Twitter at the fake BMAR. That's the fake and then B-M-A-R-R. And then on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Wicked Everything. And the podcast is Wicked Good Show, where we review movies. The last movie review was Joker, so the out of date by the time this podcast comes out, but I'm sure we'll have reviewed more recent movies by then. <laughs> yeah, for, for people who don't know, we are, we are recording this in October. I will release it in December. So again, I hope all the snow is coming down on, on you, and Merry Christmas. And again, my name is Mario Lanza. Again, this is Staff Picks. If you need to reach me, you can reach me on email at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. Until the next time, I'll be out there looking for more super obscure horror movies nobody has ever seen before, and I will do my best to get people to know about them. And I will also be very good on Christmas Eve and avoiding the Krampus. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Fucking brains out, you Christmas cunt. Fuck you! I'll break that fucking staff in your rosy cheek, ass, you fucker! <laughs>